Hi, good morning, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan, and I am JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I am talking with Roger Ong, who is editor in chief of Zenberg Media. Thank you so much for joining, Roger. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Zenberg Media is part of Harch. Yes. Right? And right. I had the pleasure of talking to your founder of Harch, yes. Yu Kato-san,、uh, yep, last right. year, right? Yeah, that's right. He told me about it. And yeah, I, I, saw, the, I saw the stream also. And he, he did give a, an overview of all the media that, yeah,、uh, that, we are, that all our media are trying to move towards、uh, the sustainability side. Yeah, you、Especially、guys are doing so much, right? <laughs> And I also talked to Ran Nomura, who、yeah. is a very popular social media influencer on Instagram, especially. <laughs> And <laughs> she's also working for one of the, the Harch, maybe Life Hugger, one of, the, Hugger.、Right? Yes, one of right. the Japanese sites. But you are in charge of Zenberg, which is the, one of the media which is focused on the English speaking audience, right? Indeed. Yes, that's right.、Um, one, of the re- one of the reasons why Zenberg was started is because we realized there is a gap between international news and Japanese news. And to, for, for Japanese you know, social good news to reach、uh, an, an international stage, it needs to, it's usually about the big brands, you know, Uniqlo,、uh, Starbucks Japan,、uh, Large Japan. You know,、um, but From Zenberg's experience, really, is there are really unique ideas, especially in the rural areas, because that's where they can, you know, so, so experiment with what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And yeah, we felt that these are good ideas that the world needs to know about too. So in Zenberg, we actually cover, you know, basically anything that's related to sustainability,、uh, related to SDGs. Uh, unique ideas, ideas that people can pick up. We do news, columns, and of course, interviews, and we try to share with the world.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. I'm showing the website right now for Zenberg <laughs> Media.、Um, you guys are covering so much. Roger, you yourself have written so many interesting articles.、Um, I think we could have an hour conversation once a month based on yeah, what you,、yeah. you guys do because you're.、Indeed. You're publishing so often, it's wonderful.、Mm-hmm. It's really well, I, I, I don't really thank myself, I really thank the team because、uh, they are the ones who are passionate about, about this.、Um, most of them are Japanese themselves, and they know that you know, Japan has a lot to share too, a lot of ideas to share.、Uh, they may not be unique, but、um, we want to show the world that you know, Japan is doing something. It's not like you know, in the inter- international news, you usually get.、Uh, Japan is、uh, behind in this, behind in that. And that may be the consensus among a lot of Japanese. But、uh, for Zenberg media writers, we do realize no, Japan is doing something. Japan is progressing in terms of SDGs. And yes, Zenberg wants to do once.、Uh, part one of, of Zenberg's mission is to share that.、Hmm. It's fantastic. And I love that you guys are really focused on. The people, planet, profit, imbalance model of sustainability.、Mm-hmm. So、right. it's, it's not, and that's what I'm doing too. It's、mm-hmm. not only about environment, right? It's not yeah, only、right. about helping people, social good.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are really important, but we、mm-hmm. need to have those imbalance with、mm-hmm. making an income as well so、mm-hmm. we have a strong yeah, economy.、Right. So、yeah. having those three is so important. I'm so、mm-hmm. glad to see your focus there. Yeah, it's interesting too because、uh, money is a, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a sensitive issue.、Um, it's, and when we talk about profit,、uh, we are talk- really talking about prosperity. We're not talking about endless money making like in capitalism. We're talking about, you know, I, I think we, well,、um, in, in Japanese, we have this word we call it taru o shiru. You know what is enough. And I think in ancient Japan, Especially during the Edo period, we do see examples of that where、um, it's not really about making a lot of money, but to sustain. And that's, that's why、uh, the three P's people, uh, uh, planet, and、uh, 
profit prosperity really makes sense and it's a natural idea for the Japanese. And I, I think um, a lot of connections back to Japanese culture, yeah. Japanese traditions, promoting local artisans and crafts, things that are made in Japan. These are all things that are featured in your articles as well, which is so interesting, uh, not only for people living in Japan, but for the international audience, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, when we look at Japanese culture, I, I believe you have a lot of guests who who, are, who will share the same thing, is when you, if you look at ancient Japan, where all this culture actually develops from, it comes from a place of, uh, I wouldn't say sustainability, but it comes from uh, prioritizing nature, right? So uh, if we look at, for example, artisans, uh, what do you, is also in my experience, uh, even when I went to, uh, one of my interviews was in Takeda uh, city in Oita prefecture. And there is an, uh, an artisan uh, group there uh, doing indigo dyeing. We're talking about leather making. And the first thing they think about is where, how can they uh, coexist with nature? Um, they, uh, they understand the relationship that, you know, uh, there is a ceiling of resources and they are not going to take uh, over, uh, they're not going to cross that limit uh, which harms their own livelihood. So there is understanding between uh, nature and livelihood you know, between civilization. Mm -hmm. So interesting. And another of your recent articles mm -hmm. was about Earthship in yes, Tokushima. Right. Can you yes, tell us right. about this? It's an amazing place. Yeah. Um, I, I really thank the host because uh, she's she's really welcoming. This is actually her place. This is her home. And what she does is she actually opens it up for, for example, a study tour. So and you can you can even stay there for a night or two. And she will share what Earthship does. And what Earthship does is it's actually a sustainable housing, as you can see right now. It, it, does, it does not tap into any uh, electricity infrastructure. It collects its own water. Uh, it creates its own electricity and lighting is natural. Um, there's no air conditioning. Uh, they have a ventilation system that to control um, the temperatures inside. And when I visited, it was you know 10 degrees outside in the mountain. But inside, it felt very, very comfortable at a constant maybe 21, uh, 22, 23. Um, and it's like, it's a constant temperature throughout winter and summer. And we are talking of, and this is really a sustainability um, effort uh, by Earthship. And well, although it's not a Japanese idea, uh, this is the only Earthship in Japan. And what uh, Kurashina, uh, the owner, wants to do is to promote the idea. You know, come visit us, pick up some ideas. Maybe you can bring them back home and use it yourself. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. I loved your your article and I love your pictures. It shows how beautiful and comfortable and relaxing it is. Use of natural light, uh, use of good insulation. So using technology in a way that works with nature really well to be more efficient, use less energy, use less water because you're catching water. Yes, There's right. so many wonderful examples here. Mm -hmm. One thing I was really surprised about, which you said in the article, mm -hmm. is they had a, a lot of international knowledge that they were doing themselves. It's, yeah, that's right. it's not really available in Japan with mm -hmm. builders, right? Yeah, like they right. had to really learn and do a lot themselves. Mm -hmm. But then it was difficult to get certification mm -hmm. under the Japanese standard. Yeah, that was right. interesting. Yes. And well, um, and that's that's where the uniqueness of Earthship comes in. And I also talk about it that you know uh, there is probably need uh, local so-called localization of how do we build this uh, this sustainable housing in Japan. Japan is is of course disaster prone, and while this is in the mountains, they still have to think about you know uh, uh, typhoons, um, and I don't know, as rainfall increase, maybe we have to worry about landslides. And and of course, one of the major concerns is earthquake. And that's where um, the government sets uh, the standard. Is this earthquake safe? Mm. 
And remember, this is in the mountains, so they don't want to. They if they can, they don't want to. You know, expand resources just to go out into the mountains to save someone, so to speak. Hmm. I've heard the same thing in Kyoto. Some of the beautiful old traditional buildings, and people are trying to remodel. And then one of the hurdles that they have, even mm -hmm. though they remodel it so beautifully and it's safe, mm -hmm. it doesn't fit with the existing building standards in Japan. Mm -hmm. So this is hopefully something that we'll see development also for the rules, mm -hmm. as well as for promoting innovation that's more sustainable, right? Yes, um, I think, you know, um, I think it's the awareness that, that comes into play here. Um, before sustainability really, uh, well, you know, disaster preparation is part, it is part of SDGs, but the, the, the awareness wasn't so much on that, but more on protecting lives from earthquakes. And now if, when we are talking about, you know, the climate change, uh, the climate crisis right now, um, the use of carbon is getting popular. Um, and what we want to promote is the use of wood because that's uh, carbon fixation and i think they that's where that's the opportunity to create to innovate to make sure that your buildings are safe from disaster while still being good for the environment for our planet mm. yeah absolutely um, speaking of big climate crisis uh, information that you've been sharing, one of your recent articles is mm -hmm. about the campaign to stop Sumitomo mm -hmm. from putting more money into developing coal mm -hmm. in Bangladesh, especially. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Can you tell um, us about this? Right. Okay. So about two weeks ago, I think it's two weeks ago. Uh, so Fridays, Fridays for Future Japan. In particular, the the, the subcell, uh, the climate uh, justice uh, project, um, and future, uh, future Fridays for Future Bangladesh, they cooperate. They are now collaborating and launch a campaign to stop the building of a coal power plant in uh, in Bangladesh, and it is an issue of uh, cl one climate justice because the building of that coal plant will 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 cost lives it's going to cost lives it's going to cost livelihoods and two um it, it, it is contradictory to what japan wants to do which is to be cold carbon neutral by 2050 and it's um and if you want to do that why are we why are they still you know investing uh, supporting company, Japanese companies to build more coal plants. And right now, Sumitomo is involved in Bangladesh, in Vietnam, in Indonesia. It just, it just doesn't make sense at all to continue with this if we are looking, uh, whereas, whereas most of the countries are thinking about stopping coal already. Absolutely. Um, some of the best examples of businesses in Japan, uh, which I've seen, which are really showing how they're putting sustainability and SDGs to work, they are very clear about any imports that they're using, like coffee, and how they're being sustainable, even in their communication and collaboration with other countries. And I think this is somewhere that the banks in Japan and the government in Japan need to get this in their head mm -hmm. that when right. it, we're talking about climate crisis mm -hmm. or helping social good, we're not mm -hmm. only talking about in Japan because mm -hmm. we have such a global economy mm -hmm. that's so connected to other countries, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, it, it, if I have to critique on, on a personal level, um, it looks like you're just trying to get more profit before the coal period, the coal era ends, which doesn't make sense. And, and that's why it's so important for, for, um, for Fridays for Future to stand up right now, to voice this out, because <clears throat> we, we are, we, the, their logo is climate justice now. A lot of developed countries, including Japan, thinks, okay, we're going to create a future for our children and that's the keyword future but people are suffering now um, people are already losing homes there are already climate uh, refugees and if if big companies don't start thinking 
don't stop pouring money into this you know dirty energy um more people are going to suffer and the price is going to be greater in the future absolutely and it's also bad branding for japan if japan wants to be a world leader in sustainability which we really hope japan is going to be um they can't be investing in dirty energy abroad or using coal in japan they need to make the tough choices and change and be a wonderful example for the world especially for other countries in asia as a leader in clean energy a leader in sustainable policies mm-hmm. and innovation mm-hmm. that's a that's a really appealing thing for japan yes. to get more visitors in mm-hmm. the future mm-hmm. as well as people who want to buy japanese products mm-hmm. in right. japan and mm-hmm. abroad right and that's one of the interesting about japan is that the japanese government usually un, how to say under aim you know they, they they don't try to aim too much they just try to do enough Hmm. Whereas when we look at individual level, when we look at the grassroots level, people want want change. They can do it, and we have already seen entrepreneurs who are thinking, "No, this is enough. I'm going to do something myself." And that's why we have really great brands like Maimizu. Um, uh, we have a sustainable cafes like uh, Veg Veg Out for to promote the vegan uh, culture in Japan, and, and many more. And and sometimes I, I do think that, you know, in, in Japan, what is going to push uh, Japan towards sustainability for action is actually all this, um, I would call them heroes and heroines, because they are really the, the forefront of Japan's sustainability. And usually uh, in the government, not, not, not say the government doesn't want to do anything, but it's, it is is lagging behind really badly in, uh, together with the big companies. Mm. Yeah. There have been some great uh, progress from the government recently, of course. <laughs> uh, last year, we saw the ban of plastic bags, free plastic mm. bags. So you have to pay for that. So mm. that did reduce the amount of plastic bags that people were using. Mm-hmm. And thinking a little bit more about, mm, do I need it? You know, because even with a small charge, it does mm-hmm. make people think more. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing cleanups, regular cleanups of the river and oceans, mm-hmm. we've been finding less plastic bags mm-hmm. because of that rule Mm -hmm. so we do see how governance has a good effect if it's done right Mm -hmm. also grassroots movement like you said with entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. so we really need everybody to be thinking about the better option Mm -hmm. and that's why zenberg is so wonderful you guys are sharing so much information um if i can add to a point about plastic bag well one, one of the things i'm doing now is actually traveling around japan um actually to go to the prefecture themselves to actually you know uh, get get a few of the SDGs thing and the plastic bag is an interesting story in certain cities where they promote SDGs yes uh, you get you know more people who are uh, switching to my bag you know their own personal uh, maybe cotton bag or um, I don't think people use paper bag anyway in certain area in certain prefectures in certain cities they are still using plastic bag. Mm. So um, whether the plastic bag policy works, I, I think there is effect for certain cities, but we, what I see there is another obstacle is that, uh, for example, when I was in Osaka, a lot of people who went to supermarkets were still buying supermarket, uh, the plastic bags. It wasn't until I reached one of the, uh, lack of a better word, a poorer neighborhood. Everyone was using their own. They were bringing and reusing old paper bags. And I realized there is still um, has a mindset that I can pay for the convenience, I will pay. And that is what, uh, what I think is we need to f- do more hmm, to actually change the mindset. It's not just about plastic bag, but learning about what is the consequence. Mm. Absolutely. 
I agree, hundred percent, and that's why I I really hope to see more kids involved, mm-hmm. more schools yes. involved, because we need to spread awareness so mm-hmm. much more in Japan. And there's an understanding like, well, the plastic bag is convenient. Why shouldn't I use it? You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter right. when I put it in the garbage; it goes away. Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't go away, right? Yeah, so we right. need to get kids out there doing cleanups at the river or at the ocean and picking up the plastic and thinking. Hmm. It doesn't go away, does it? You know, no, like trying to put those together. And mm-hmm. one of the articles you did recently <laughs> was really about education. Yes, that's right. You、uh, talked about the celebrating conservation efforts in Japan,、mm-hmm. uh, the Natural Conservation Awards, and there were a lot of educator groups in yes, that right. list, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And it, it comes back to the point where grassroots are really leading the. The the fight against uh um against how to say not not against carbon but against climate change against the climate crisis, and once again we we don't get this news a lot because it doesn't make it's not very interesting headlines to be to be honest, but it it is important for example uh when we are tackling issues like you know eco anxiety that's on the rise, um there are solutions people are doing work and yeah um. It's, it's, I'm really glad that there are such awards around to show us there are examples of、uh, people doing work and examples we can follow. Absolutely.、Uh, let's mention some of them who、mm-hmm. won the top three awards. So,、mm-hmm. uh, the town in Kochi. Shimanto Town Forestry Association,、yeah. who's doing sustainable forestry, which is so exciting.、Mm-hmm. Um, the Satoyama Club. Getting kids out and、uh, doing organic planting of rice and taking care of the forest、mm-hmm. is wonderful to see.、Mm-hmm. And then a high school in Kyoto,、mm-hmm. the Miyazu High School、uh, project, also taking care of trees.、Mm-hmm. It's so wonderful to see these groups get、mm-hmm. some recognition in that、mm-hmm. award, right? Yes, indeed. And if we are talking about sustainability,、um, well, we're talking about education and education. What?、Well, You know, one of the things that Zambert does is we look at you know, yeah, companies, organizations that have lasted for one thousand years, for centuries, and we we do find you know、uh, common points. And one of the common points of a sustainable、uh, company that can last for centuries is how they pass on information, how they pass on knowledge, and what we see from those three is actually involving the young. To get them involved, to learn by heart, through their body, through movement, on how to love nature. If so,、uh, if you go to these groups, they will be saying, you know, we are doing for the children, and that is how they pass on knowledge. And that's why, again, back to your point, education is so important in in sustainability. Your profile, actually,、mm-hmm. you talk about、uh, one of your interests is especially looking at children issues, right? That's right.、Yeah, Interest that's right. in social good, especially in children issues.、Mm-hmm. Bilingual editor, bridging the gap between English and Japanese for the benefit of change makers.、Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> How did you personally start to get interested in sustainability? Do you remember? Oh wow! Oh yes.、Um, This this has been one of the biggest change in my life, really.、Um, so I was in Singapore. I was born in Singapore.、Um, so at that time, I was running my own business.、Uh, it was a it was a cat sitting business, which was was a lot of fun. But at around you know two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, that's when the serial war started. And I start and that was when I realized you know doing this business isn't going to help me. Solve the problems, and what caught me the most, what caught my heart, really, what stole my heart the most was how children in how Syrian children were at risk. We're talking about、uh, more than one million children who are in danger of becoming the lost generation. We call them the lost generation because they go through war, so they are going to be living in refugee camps. They're going to be refugees. Education is an issue. And we're talking about in the future we have this whole generation who is not ed- educated enough, not skilled. How are they gonna live in the future? And knowing my business wasn't gonna do anything, I wanted to do something, and that was really my first、uh, step into sustainability. But at that time, you know, 
the word, the keyword SDGs wasn't created yet. So I needed a solution. And I started going to what we call content marketing. Um, content marketing in a single word is storytelling. And that was my experience where I spoke to my friends in Singapore. I was like, you know, Syria is, 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 is something that we need to look at. And my, their, their reply was, what is Syria? It's, it's not their fault that they don't know about Syria. It's, and in Asia, you don't usually get news, in, uh, especially from the Middle East. And I realized no one is telling the story. And so I started with uh, content marketing. And subsequently, I found Hutch. And Hutch's Hutch motto was using content marketing for good. And that's why we got together. And that's why I'm uh, in Zambert right now. What a great backstory. I love to hear that. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> it's so important, right? It's so important for the leader of a business, mm -hmm. the leader of an organization to be personally invested Indeed. in Indeed. sustainability if mm -hmm. your business is going to move forward mm -hmm. and everybody is going to feel excited <laughs> about sustainability, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And that's one of the, let's say, the guiding principles of, of how we hire the writers is they are interested in the subject themselves. For example, we recently uh, finished our uh, interviewing run for, um, it's kind of in the gray area, but we're trying to hire minorities. Now that might sound nice, but uh, the hiring process is kind of difficult. You don't just go, you don't ask them during the, the interview session, are you a minority? Are you a sexual minority? Or are you a refugee? That kind of thing. Um, but anyway, the point is um, the writers themselves are invested invested in the topics they write too, uh, whether it be uh, climate, be in gender, whether it be in LGBT. Um, they have a drive that they want to share, especially in, uh, what's going on in Japan. That's so important and so interesting. We were talking yesterday mm -hmm. uh, with a consultant in Tokyo, Tova mm -hmm. Kinoka, and she mm -hmm. was talking about uh, neurodiversity and trying to hire people who are autistic or have, mm -hmm. you know, some mental difference from your typical mm -hmm. staff you might hire, but they have certain skills which are so valuable mm -hmm. to a business and to a community and should be used, right? Not yeah. disregarded as they can't fit in. Mm -hmm. So exactly. there's diversity and inclusion is so important, mm -hmm. but it's it's complicated, right? Mm -hmm. And and to to onboard people with diverse and inclusive backgrounds mm -hmm. um, takes training and mm -hmm. planning, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say it's, I, I wouldn't say it's difficult really, because uh, when, when, when most organizations try to hire, they have a set guidelines. And in Japanese society, which I really, really against is uh, the word futsu, which is normal, it means normal. And uh, whatever that's not normal is really strange and they try to avoid it. And it, it actually goes, how you say, it is against the diversity uh, concept. And for, for Zambert, we always look at strengths. Uh, for example, if we have an LGBT writer, yeah, so you understand the needs of, of the LGBT. So just, just use your strengths. If you're good at this, write about this. And I think uh, we, we, tr we, we were looking for uh, people of disabilities to, to write to, but we have been unsuccessful in that sense, uh, partly because it's more about the English uh, ability. But yes, they, they do have their own strengths that uh, Zemper really likes to, would like to tap on in the future if we have the opportunity. Yeah, wonderful. It's great that you even you're looking for that because I, I think looking is the first key point, right? That's right. That's Are you looking for that? Are mm -hmm. you trying to find better options? This is so mm -hmm. important for sustainability, right? Indeed, indeed. And I, well, yeah. Uh, Go well, ahead. Uh, just, 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 a, just a comment answer. Um, because Japan is kind of behind in that, uh, we're only starting to understand di diversity there is another step that they need to take is uh, inclusivity. 
just be, just being diverse doesn't mean you are being inclusive. And I think uh, for anyone who's you know interested in implementing that, needs to look at, needs to consider inclusivity too. Mm. How do you do that at Zenberg? Do you have a good strategy? Are you like trying to change mm -hmm. roles of leaders within the organization, for example, mm -hmm. or do you have another strategy for that? For 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 us, um, because we are a small team, so it, I I guess you know so called managing is a lot easier on that sense. But um, my strategy is to give them trust, unlimited amount of trust. You know, okay, you are in charge of this. You are just in charge of this. So um, do whatever you want. Mm. What worked? Okay, this worked. Let's continue. Didn't work. Okay, let's change our strategies. Um, and yeah, for my strategy, strategy, I, I'm a, I'm not I'm not a strategist, so I keep things simple. Is I just give them unlimited amount of trust. Mm. That's a great way, though, to give your staff autonomy mm -hmm. to make their own decisions mm -hmm. as they see fit along mm -hmm. the way. Indeed. I think in terms of hospitality and customer service, mm -hmm. that is also a great strategy, like for mm -hmm. hotels. Right. If you go to a hotel staff and you ask a question or a favor, mm -hmm. and the hotel staff say, mm -hmm. I have to ask my boss or I have yeah, to ask my manager. That's right. You, as a customer, you're like, really? Really? That's not good, right? Yeah. But if that staff says, oh, yes, mm -hmm. I can fix it for you. I mm -hmm. Or how about this idea? You know, mm -hmm. if your staff is empowered, mm -hmm. that is amazing way to make them happier working there. Yeah. But also high value for the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're not talking about high value as in the brand gets high value. Because most of the people who say, I got to ask my boss, they're following the rules. But if you give the autonomy to the staff to say, to bring up, you know, to be themselves, you know, some, all of us are different. So if we can bring out our, our best self, uh, our most natural self, the, your, your guests, your, in fact, in, in, my, in, in Zenberg, it will be the readers. It'll be, hey, you know, this, this writer has, has his or her own voice. That's interesting. You know, I'm going to remember the person. And that is, that is what, the guess ones, you know, me memory is not, not, oh, uh, I got to wait for rules. I got to wait for this. Uh, I got, I'm being held back by this. And I think, especially right now with, with the COVID, you know, uh, change of work styles. When we talk about change of work styles, why not go dramatic? Hmm. Be, be daring, you know. Um, what, uh, usually, uh, I, I, I love the word, you know, daihon yabure to destroy the script, you know, not to say ignore all the company rules, but if you just give them um, a certain guideline and leave them to do what they think is best, I think that builds the brand itself. I love that idea. Uh, we've got a great comment from Tova on LinkedIn. Tova says, love Hi. this approach, Roger. So refreshing to hear. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I, Tova yeah. also had a comment about the plastic mm -hmm. bags. Right. Uh, even when I see my, even when using my bag, I see yeah. many people using the small mm -hmm. plastic bags inside mm -hmm. them because they are always yes. freely available. That's true. That is a hurdle we have left, right? Yes. I think one of the lessons that Zenberg feels uh, learned is we're not going to win convenience human beings will definitely move towards convenience. Um, but it is a paradox because we, in December, again, we, we studied, we study centuries old uh, organizations. And one of the things we, they, they, they are sustainable. No, 400 years ago, Japan was sustainable. And at some point we detracted from that. Now that's a very long story by itself. And you know, um, it wasn't convenience that was priority. It was nature. Yeah. Again, back to the point. If we overconsume nature, we're gonna lose resources. We are gonna start dying out. That was the lesson that Edo Japan learned. Because if you look at the population trend in Edo period, you see an increase. They have flat lines. 
at the beginning of the flat line, they realized, oh, shoot, we are over-consuming our resources. And at that time, Japan was a closed country. They only had resources within the country to, to how say, utilize. And they realized, okay, we, we, we have to stop growing. Um, um, in, 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 in modern terms, we call that degrowth. You know? uh, it's not about making more. It's not about selling more. It's about surviving. Uh, taking care of nature, taking care of civilization. And, um, okay, I'm, I'm digressing, but their concern wasn't convenience. And right now we have convenience. We only care about convenience and we forgot about nature part. So in a sense, Japan needs to find its way back. Right now we have the convenience, we have the efficiency with technology and we should use it. But we need to use it with the foundation of caring for nature, to think, to prioritize nature. And back to the convenience point, I think we can find a solution where it's, it's still convenient, but it doesn't involve, for example, plastic bags. Absolutely. And I think it, it goes back to education again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If people understand that this plastic bag comes from oil and oil is one of the targets to reduce because of global warming <laughs> and this plastic bag will last forever <laughs> if it ends up in the waterways by accident. I think mm -hmm. if people just understand that basic understanding, mm -hmm. maybe they'll choose not to. But mm -hmm. at the moment, there's not even that basic understanding yet for yes. most consumers, right? Indeed, in many. And I think um, not only that, our um, narrative is kind of strange. We try to simplify stuff. And right Right now, there's a lot of narrative on one, two things which I think is inaccurate. One, plastic is bad. Two, carbon is bad. It's really about how we use them. And the way we use plastics is really not good. In fact, we even had, uh, we, have, we actually found a research that, you know, using plastic bag isn't a bad thing. So, for example, if we go to, uh, for example, supermarkets, um, what bag would you use? Will you use a cotton bag? Will you use a paper bag? Or will you use a plastic bag? And when we actually look at the carbon emissions at the cost of producing each bag, plastic bags produce the least carbon emissions. Why? Because, for example, when we look at cotton, it takes time to actually grow the cotton. It takes a lot of water. It takes a lot of resources. And that uh, produces a lot of carbon emissions. So uh, paper too, it uses less water than um, um, than cotton, but it still uses a lot of water because it, of the process to create a, a paper bag. So it seems that paper bag is the answer, but paper bag is not the answer. The answer is none of these three. It's a, uh, the answer is actually plastic bag that you can use for a long time for years. Um, so what am I talking about? We're not talking about single-use plastic. That's bad, definitely. But if we can get bags like you know in IKEA, the really really tough um, uh, um, plastic bags that you can carry, um, you know, furniture, sharp things, sharp things in it. It lasts very long, long time, and that is actually our best option. So uh, what I'm coming back to is the narrative of understanding plastic itself. Like you said, of course, we need education to know where it comes from. But it's also about using it and uh, where it goes after we use it. And in one of the things that Zambert wants to promote from now on is actually uh, circular economy or circular edonomy, which is the circular economy in Edo times. Uh, we want our users to learn about two things, to ask themselves two things. One, where does it come from? Where does it go after we use it? And that itself helps the individual to be part of the circular economy. And yeah, correct. And we want to improve that narrative, definitely. Yeah, so important. And it's also, I mean, that's a good general rule, mm -hmm. but there are specific uh, unique situations in different areas and they need to assess what causes the most damage for their area and it mm -hmm. might not work in all areas. For example, mm -hmm. uh, in Hawaii, I grew up mm -hmm. in Hawaii, oh. Hawaii's beach 
is really a big part of the economy because it mm -hmm. brings the tourists and right. that's where the money comes from right so maintaining clean beaches is really important and mm -hmm. what they realized was a lot of the plastic bags plastic po pollution on the beaches mm -hmm. is bad for business mm -hmm. bad for the economy right. also bad for the environment of course bad for local people so they made a plastic bag ban in hawaii and okay. they also encourage people to compost. So if you have paper bags and you compost it after, then exactly like you said, where does it come from? Maybe it's high energy to make it. Where do you use it? And where does it go after it doesn't damage the local environment? So that was a better choice for them. Mm -hmm. But maybe other areas, maybe they have a, a factory that reuses the plastic bags or finds a new purpose mm -hmm. for that plastic after right mm -hmm. so it really depends on each area a little bit it is mm -hmm. complicated yeah, right it is and that's the same thing we discover in japan is um when when we when you talk about japan it's really not when we say japan does this it's not really the whole of japan that does this so in different prefectures they have their own localized uh you know, um, they have a certain culture and it, it makes sense to do it this way rather than the other way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's say localization of solutions is actually a, a key point to, if we want to say sustainability because it works for that place. Mm. Definitely. But giving examples from in individual areas, hopefully, mm -hmm. can also spark ideas in, in yeah, other yeah. parts of, of Japan and the yeah. world. Uh, one of your recent articles, which I just love and I can't wait to visit, mm -hmm. is in Kyoto. Mm -hmm. And she is making such an interesting, <laughs> unique yeah. product. Yeah. Tell us about uh, Kiyomizu Kyoto. Yeah. Kimiko Kajisan, who's mm -hmm. making konyaku shabon. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so this is a very unique um, company. Well, this is actually a chain company, so it has a number of uh, stores around Japan. But of course, the COVID uh, is you know uh, threatening a lot of businesses. Um, but this 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 business is still around because uh, I believe. Well, branding is one thing. Uh, it, the products are cute, like you see. These are all uh, soaps, and they all have different, you know, effects. So to speak, they all have different scents because they use natural ingredients to make all these uh, soaps. Um, while the product itself is sustainable, what what really stood out to me was how she interacted with customers, and you know, um. So customers will come to her and uh, I have this problem problem. What which one should I use? And that's very natural. And she does her best to help them. And and because she does that, the product works for the customers. And the customers are so grateful, you know, they take photo with her, send her postcards, um, give her line messages. And the manager herself gets so feels so grateful that she's gonna use that energy for other customers too. So there is this circularity of gratitude that circulates in, um, in, in, in this brand, especially in the Kyoto shop. And I think that is one of the keys to sustainability, to being grateful, mm. um, to use a product that is not only good for, the, for yourself, that's good for environment, but it feels good because you know that you, know, you made the connection through a product it's not so much of the product at that point but the relations that was built through uh talking about the product hmm. i love that i hmm. love that concept that you fall in love with the story of the local staff and the mm -hmm. the founder of the business yes. and that makes you invested as a customer because I can now tell her story every time I give that gift or every time I use that product and somebody mm -hmm. notices my product, I'm going to tell that story because I appreciated the chance to connect with her mm -hmm. as the founder, as the creator, as mm -hmm. the inventor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. And I can even see if, if, if the store is interested, you can even become the, the center of a community 
people would come to her to solve a problem, their own personal problem. But through that, that discussion, through that talk, relationship is built. And we have seen, you know, if we look at, at the history of Japan, we've seen like, for example, shrines. Shrines were the, the bedrock, the core where people came together and communicate with each other. Um, okonomiyaki uh, uh, stores also played that role before. And if they wanted to, they can actually develop into that, that com- community building uh, aspect beyond just selling products. That is absolutely true. Um, okonomiyaki, you, you mentioned, and yeah. I'm in Hiroshima, so a very important product <laughs> right, right. Uh, for us here. Um, but it's so true that I miss some of the old shops yeah, that used right. to be made mm-hmm. um, in old buildings and then the teppan mm-hmm. that they cook the okonomiyaki on. Yeah the owner would tell me stories she got this metal sheet mm-hmm. from the side of a ship in the war whoa they salvaged whoa. the metal and they used it as the tepan for making okonomiyaki and whoa. for me i want to go back there again and again because uh-huh. i love that story right yeah. and that connection with her oh my goodness unfortunately that shop's not open anymore and a uh-huh. lot of new new shops come in mm-hmm. but the new shop is more generic and mm-hmm. run by young people and mm-hmm. they're they're missing that story, mm-hmm. that heritage, that mm-hmm. history connection, mm-hmm. which right. I think is so appealing, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the problems. Problems? Okay, well, we can, we can argue about it. But for me, it's, again, um, for, 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 so for at some point in Japan's history, we focus more on profit. And, you know, one of the... Uh, uh, mottos of uh, Fridays for Future, especially for climate justice, is people not profit. Mm. And of course, uh, nature before profit, of course. But right now, we are all focusing on profit and it's, it's, it's a terrible direction that we are taking. In ancient Japan, um, we have, you know, uh, Japan has a lot of matsuris, a lot of festivals. But we have forgotten what festivals really are. In one of my interviews with uh, a Zero Waste Cafe in uh, Kagawa Prefecture, uh, he, he taught me that Matsuri in Yamakotoba, which is, which is, uh, which is um, Japanese before scripts were invented, Matsuri actually had three meanings. So to do a festival, to, to organize a festival, one must be in charge of three things. And these three things come in three, the three different... Um, definitions of matsuri matsuri of course means festival uh, but matsuri also means the offering to the gods to give to the gods and at the time shinto gods means the nature and one more is matsuri goto which means uh, to govern in today's sense it will be politicians so whoever organizes an, a festival must be an artist must care must prioritize nature and must be doing it, um, doing good for the community because you are the leader. But today is different, isn't it? Today we think of festivals as just for fun, you know, just an event. We have forgotten about nature. Uh, judging for climate crisis, I think I got proof enough. And now we have politicians who are just interested in making money, make, making the country rich. At, and in Japan's uh, case, they have always sacrificed nature and people for profit. And it, it won't be the first time you, we, if we look at Minamata uh, disease, if we look at Teishima incident. Um, um, I'm not too sure about Fukushima. I'm, I'm really jumping the gun in, in defining, in categorizing in that category. But um, we, there's a lot of lessons to learn is that we have to stop sacrificing people and nature for profit. And Coming back to the okonomiyaki example, yeah, um, people are just starting business without, uh, just for profit. There's something more that people need to find, and that's why I think uh, the, the Japanese rashisa, uh, what I call the way of being, uh, what makes a Japanese Japanese? What makes a Japanese business a Japanese business? So if if I have to, what I haven't looked 
deeper into this new new economy chains. But I don't feel that I don't see the elements of a sustainable business. I don't think the chain is going to last for one one hundred years. Can it last for decades? Maybe if it's really really tasty. But without um, you know the features of a sustainable company that can last for one hundred years, and that includes the story, the rashi sum, the uh, what they what they really uh, uh, the their why of their business. Mm, they're not gonna last very long. That is such a great point, mm. and such an important thing to consider. Why are you doing this business? Yes. Like, where does your passion come from? Is it just a job mm. to get money, or mm. is it to connect with other people and share your passion? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's so important. And I think as a consumer as well, mm. how do you choose your products? Are you choosing products that help you become the person you want to be? I think more mindfulness, right? More thought um, from a business perspective, but also from a consumer's perspective, that would make such big changes in our world, right? Indeed. Yes, that's right. And it's a change we, I think, the world really needs right now. And we've been given that opportunity. COVID has help us press the pause button or slow us down a lot more. And, you know, there's a lot of economies are suffering, but use it as an opportunity to discover, to reconnect with nature. And that is the, that is what uh, Japan is going through from, from what I see. Uh, when we talk about regional revitalization, you know, um, before COVID, there's always this worry about, you know, people act, doing a huge maxodus to, to cities. Why? Because they have to find work. Mm. But unfortunately, people are not happy when they move to cities. Uh, partly because, you know, it's for jobs. So you are given this position. This is what you must do. It's a rule that's given to you. But in, in COVID, you know, people are actually reconnecting back with their, you know, r- rural hometown. Well, you can't travel overseas, so... The, the best you can do is actually go into the nature and back to the room. And they find, hey, you know, I can do something here. I can participate in uh, shrine cleaning. I can participate participate in local uh, revitalization uh, projects. And they find that, hey, this is something I can do. Even if you don't pay me, I'm going to do it. And, and they find themselves. That's what I'm trying to say. So the purpose is um, one of the one of the things that when we talk about sustainable communities, com- sustainable communities actually uh, accept these people and help them find that role. Mm. This, this, this is another aspect that we that we have seen when we look at sustainable communities in Japan. That's so exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To think about uh, developing more sustainable communities mm-hmm. as a way to move forward with sustainability. It's so mm-hmm. important. Um, in Japan, you have you have more community sense, in, in my experience, than uh, growing up in America, where mm-hmm. everybody's house is their own territory and <laughs> nobody really talks yeah. to each other usually, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would go trick-or-treating and that would be the only time mm-hmm. I would see the neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, in Japan, right. you often do like neighborhood cleaning day or neighborhood festivals right like so there is a good sense of your community Mm -hmm. i think in japan so to expand on that um would be a great thing moving forward right indeed yeah and that's why we have actually organizations in uh even in in kyoto uh to revitalize uh, festivals in japan because they have not forgotten what festivals are really about and they are the key to bringing uh, communities together. Mm. Yeah, great. Um, another, we were talking about education and children. Mm-hmm. Another yeah. article that I really like that you did recently is about mm-hmm. the Ihon Hotel, yeah. Oh, yeah. the picture book children's hotel. Mm-hmm. I love it. Tell Such us about this. Okay. Oh, well, the concept is really easy. So uh, what you do is you get to rent these hotels that's full of picture books. Well, of course, it's, uh, it has some a, a little bit of a playground type of uh, house. Um, and that itself is attractive enough to for parents to want to uh, 
uh, bring their children there. But that concept is really interesting because it's not so-called, you know, a hotel building. Um, it is using one of the apartments in the neighborhood setting to build this hotel. And what what is what 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 I thought was great about this is it's very scalable. You can just pick a house in anywhere in Japan and build this uh, Ahon Hotel, this picture book hotel. And two, it um is in the middle of uh let's say in the middle of residential areas, so you don't need to travel. Uh, you, families don't have to travel to actually book the place. Well, this is the first hotel they are planning to build more. And, but the concept itself is so attractive and it's so scalable. Um, it is one, one of my favorites, favorite projects really of this year. I love it. It's such a, a great idea. And yeah. Japanese picture books for kids mm -hmm. are so creative and wonderful. Yes. And usually mm -hmm. they talk about the environment. They talk about nature. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about all things kids are curious about. And mm -hmm. so it's such a wonderful idea to get your kids away from the screen um, while you stay at a hotel. I that's love right. it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> And what's what's a good thing is um they, it's a collaboration with uh, a picture book uh, store, and this store actually looks at picture books from all over the world, and so there is a very a huge variety, huge range of picture books that children are going to want to dig one after another, and you know away from electronics, which is a good thing I think. <laughs> And it, it reminds me of a library. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, especially thinking mm -hmm. of books and, mm -hmm. and sharing good information, sharing good books from mm -hmm. a library, mm -hmm. right? We don't have to individually own everything. We can own things that we share with others mm -hmm. and save money, mm -hmm. but also it's more efficient. We mm -hmm. don't need our own car even yeah, all right. the time right mm -hmm. like yeah. having the shared economy idea and sharing of books in a in a hotel mm -hmm. which is also being shared right you share the bed right. you share the facility mm -hmm. right yeah that's so, right great it's, it's, it's also something that we found in you know in the circular uh, circular economy of uh, edo period is that people sh do share a lot of things um in, they, they even have a rental service for 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 example pots or the or the bathings so um even even santos you know um is uh, instead of you know heating you know hot water for each household we're talking about santo everyone gets together where uh uh the the the, the bath house is heated for everyone mm. it's is yeah uh, energy saving too so um so the i so i think when we come to talk about sharing economy, it really works for Japan. It's just that we just need to, I think, uh, reframe it as something that is natural because privacy is important for, for the Japanese. So there is this balance that we need to find uh, as we move uh, forward uh, in Japan. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been such a great conversation. Can you explain how people can find you online? Oh, okay. Well, um, usually you can just uh, ask Google Sensei, you know, Zenbert.media, and you, you'll find us. Um, but you can also find us on uh, Instagram. Uh, we'll, we'll try to share uh, visuals and short, short uh, clips from our YouTube channel, which uh, we are actually starting to build up now. So if you are interested in uh, video formats, yeah, uh, we will be on YouTube too. Uh, we call it Zen Waves. Um, we do, we are starting with, you know, we weekly live shows, uh, live streams, not live shows. And if you're interested, please subscribe. Otherwise, yeah, the articles are actually quite enlightening. Uh, gives you a, an, uh, it's an eye opener into uh, what's going on in Japan in terms of SDGs. In terms yeah, of definitely. And if you go to the Zenberg uh, dot media website, mm -hmm. uh, you can, of course, find all the links to the Instagram and the YouTube mm -hmm. and all the social media, right? Yeah, that's right. It's all there. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Roger, for joining and sharing your insights. And you. I love everything that you're doing. Thank you. Please keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll, I'll let the writers know that they're doing fantastic work too. Definitely. Thank you. Thank Definitely. you for having, having me on your show. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody for joining and for your wonderful comments. Have a great week. Take care, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye. I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.